Right, let's uh, open to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to talk about instability. Now, I could have spoken about stability, I suppose, but the um, title of the talk is Instability. Um, uh, yeah, bits happened, a few discussions along the way in the last few months and observations of what's happening around the place. Um, yeah, so most recently on Thursday I was out and about for work and I was talking to a tow truck driver actually and um, he meets all sorts of people and hears lots of stories, what people are worried about and all these things and yeah, and also just observations in our own lives, you know, saints uh, as we go about our own lives and uh, what's happening politically and in the world as well, our own uh, contemporaries in the world. There's this, uh, it's just this, there's, um, I mean, it says there's nothing new under the sun, but um, it's like there's this underlying uh, instability, you know, like a, a thing that's underlying our lives. That, um, and we're people, we live in this world, so we're sensitive to these things. Um, and things that have a potential to like, pop up and disrupt. Uh, it just seems to be going on. Like, obviously, I'm fumbling about a bit. I can't quite put my finger on it, but it just seems like this underlying thing that's in the world and it impacts our lives as well because we're people in this world. Uh, so we'll talk about instability. So we'll start in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And uh, something that's important for us to remember, verse 27, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 27, it says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world, and, or which are um, like insignificant things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Um, so, the Lord's chosen things that are simple, things that are foolish even, that's a strong word, things that are insignificant. Um, he hasn't chosen those things that are mighty and wise uh, in this world. Um, and so this instability, it comes from elsewhere, it comes from the world. Um, God hasn't chosen that. He's chosen other things to um, for us to be a part of and uh, wisdom that doesn't come from this world at all. Um, so we look to God for that source of wisdom, uh, not to the world, because we know that all we get from that is instability. Uh, Matthew chapter 15. Matthew 15. And uh, verse 8. Matthew chapter 15 
and verse 8. This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoureth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So um, it's referring to, and we see this a lot, people claim to follow God. People claim to know God's commandments. People claim to, uh, to love him even. Uh, they draw near with their mouth, with their lips, but their heart, which uh, the flow and effect from that is their actions, uh, just far from them. And the reason I read verse 9, um, they teach for doctrines the commandments of men. So wisdom of men, wisdom from the world, they grab hold of that and teach it as if it's a doctrine, you know, as if it is something of God, you know, and, um, and yeah, we see that a lot. Um, like, um, yeah, just using their own ideas and claiming that is of God. Uh, Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah chapter 17. And uh, I sent this scripture to someone recently, something to remember as well. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You know, very firm language there. And look, we all know people that are nice and polite and we get along with, have a good laugh. But um, at the end of the day, the Lord's saying, and this is a consistent thing for mankind. I mean, it's mentioned in Genesis as well, the the evil on the face of the earth, uh, the violence. And here we are, Jeremiah, 600 BC, um, um, who's been inspired by God to say that the heart of man is deceitful uh, and wicked. And who can even know the depth of that? Um, and, uh, and so these are facts. So a couple of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 12. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation... Oh, how lofty are their eyes, and their eyelids are lifted up. So uh, this generation that is pure in their own eyes, and we see that today, don't we? People that uh, see themselves as pure and uh, those that follow the Bible, uh, how dare you? You know, um, pure in their own eyes, and yet they're, they're covered in filthiness. And, and then it goes, verse 12, that are pure, uh, no, uh, no, verse 13, uh, lofty are their eyes, arrogant, proud. No, I'm right. You know, I'm right in my own eyes and I will not hear anything else. Um, even though they're filthy, uh, there's a filthiness in them uh, that, uh, that permeates and creates instability. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 7. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 7. Be not wise in thine own eyes. So it's a, a warning from God 
Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. If you do that, it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honour the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. So uh, people, human beings, their heart is desperately wicked, pure in their own eyes, and yet they're filthy. And so this encouragement for us is not to be wise in our own eyes. Um, Depart from evil, fear the Lord. Uh, Often we as human beings neglect the advice that's written in the Word. Um, the, the advice that's written in the Word applies to many facets of our life. And uh, we can read it with our own eyes. We've got the Spirit in us. Uh, we can see what it says. But we ignore it because we think, oh, wait a minute, I know better. Um, and so wise in our own eyes. So the encouragement there is be not wise in your own eyes. Um, chapter 24, Proverbs 24. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 21. Is that heater still going, Shoshana? It is. Hmm. Is, are others, is, are there more people hot now? or? Oh, there you go, it's cut off. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I guess those people were hanging for the heater bit cut off. Well, there you go. Uh, Proverbs 24. And uh, verse 21. My son, fear thou the Lord and the king, and meddle not with them that are given to change. Right? That's interesting. Okay? So fear the Lord. We read that in uh, Proverbs chapter 3. Fear the Lord and the king. Government, politicians, those that uh, make laws, you know, that's, that embodies the word king, not just King Charles III or um, the King of Tonga. You know, it's the, the king is the, the governor, the mayor, whatever, who make laws. You fear them. But then the second part is interesting where it says, and meddle not with them that are given to change. Now, this instability that everybody feels and there's conspiracy theories and all these things and they see corruption in high places, uh, the law courts are corrupt and all this stuff and, and people uh, think that, oh, yeah, let's band together and make a change. Um, no, the Lord's saying opposite. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't meddle with those that are given the change. Yeah, let's change it all. You know, um, I mean, we've got plenty of examples in history. The French Revolution, the, um, the, the US, which was inspired from that, um, and the change that happened there to, uh, to create the democracy and other revolutions. But the Lord's saying it's not up to us to bother with that. <laughs> the Lord will raise someone else up. You know, the Lord's saying, look, honour those that are in power. Or fear those that are in power, and uh, and don't meddle or get caught up with those that are saying, "Right, I'm going to change 
the politicians. I'm going to protest and make them change their mind. And I, I've thought about this a bit, and sometimes people that protest, they have some genuinely good ideas, and it'd be great if that was implemented. Sometimes it gets implemented, sometimes it doesn't. Let's say it does get implemented. Does it change our life at all? No, no not at all. We still lead our life. We still fear the king, fear the Lord. And I used to do it. <clears throat> I actually have photographic evidence that I was in a, in a march protesting for equal pay. Um, I couldn't believe it. I got it on the front page of this newsletter. <laughs> so I've got this. So I, I got caught up in it. And, uh, but the Lord's saying, no, it's not worth it. Life still goes on. Think of what's more important and don't meddle with those that are given to change. Because, okay, they create the change, then what else do they want to change? It's, just, it's a moving target in that respect. The Lord wants us to, uh, to be not wise in our own eyes, but fear the Lord and fear those, uh, fear the King. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Yeah, and this one flows on from that. That aspect. First Timothy chapter two and verse one. I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. That's what God wants us to lead, and we want that as well. Regardless of what decisions are made by those in authority, you know, um, uh, pray for them that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. And if you ignore what's going on, well, you can be interested to see what's going on at that higher level, but you don't get caught up in trying to change it and focus on your quiet and peaceable life. It's great. Um, verse 3, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Saviour, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity or in truth. O therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shame faith shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. So that means like um, the, the true beauty of a human being is who they are and what they do, not all these other things, the gold, the pearls, and the costly array, the showing off of wealth, the, uh, the bling, or whatever you want to call it, that, um, that causes uh, difference, doesn't it? Those that can't afford it. and Anyway, whatever. It just flows on. I've seen it too often. And, uh, but it's the, the, 
the good works and the humility and uh, the godliness that the Lord wants. And so that the reason I read through to verse 10 is it does flow on for praying for those in authority, leading a quiet, peaceable life, not uh, uh, blazing abroad about what you uh, represent in the, in the flesh, but uh, what you represent in the Lord. The godliness is the important part. Um, and, uh, and that is the true gem. That's the true gem, the, uh, the, the heart and uh, who you are and how you serve the Lord. Um, that's what matters. Uh, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And uh, this was read out by Brian recently, so I don't mind reading it again. If we're talking about instability, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and we've read some of his sayings, haven't we, in, in our own Bible on our lap. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I'll liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So yes, we've got plenty of advice in here, in the scriptures. Um, it's, you know, we get caught up in our lives and some things are easy to ignore. Don't feel like doing that. It's too hard. Or, oh, no, 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 wait a minute, I read such and such over here and blah, 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 blah. No, uh, it says, um, whosoever reads the, or hears the sayings of mine and does them equals stability. Whoever hears the sayings of mine and does not do them equals instability. And uh, the, the raging rain and floods, you know, uh, that's likened to the nations around us, you know, uh, the instability around us and the raging waters come and influence our lives. And then it makes, gives us, um, or puts us in a position of instability and uh, questioning things and wondering. But the Lord says, no, keep it simple. He's chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise of this world, and uh, for us to grab hold of his sayings, even though they may be difficult to do. And guaranteed, you'll find some of his instructions in the Bible difficult to do. Yeah, I actually know a few testimonies here of people who've really stood on the word of God, despite what they think is right, and they've seen a result, um, which is great. That's that firm rock that doesn't move, that is, is quite stable. So it's a very good picture that Brian went through in depth recently, which was good to hear about building your life, building your house on the rock and, uh, and uh, to have that stability. And it's all about heeding the sayings of God and doing them. John chapter 16 John 16, 
John chapter 16 and verse 5. A little bit of a different angle here. Jesus speaking. He's been speaking for a couple of chapters already, but here's a bit that I want to read in John chapter 16 and verse 5, and it says, But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me whither goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient or advantageous for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart... I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. A little while, and you shall not see me, and again, a little while, and you shall see me, because I go to the Father. And the reason I read this is, this is Jesus Christ, uh, before he was crucified, walking around the face of the earth, talking to his followers, people like us, uh, who followed him, and he's saying, look, I have to go away. Something horrible is going to happen to me. And as a result, you know, you feel sad about Jesus going away. But he's explaining here that there's a bigger cause, there's a bigger picture, that there's a comforter that will come. And they didn't know what the comforter was. They had no idea. Um, and that, that he, Jesus talks about the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth will come. Well, what's that? You know, um, uh, he'll be glorified. And th- th- these things were, uh, like, didn't make any sense, wouldn't have made any sense. Uh, imagine if we heard that, you know, before we received the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and he's saying, no, I'll, Jesus will die or be taken away, but then there's this wonderful thing that will happen as a result. This comforter will come, this spirit of truth who will show you all things. And uh, this spirit uh, will not uh, speak of his own, but will uh, speak of things of the Father. So I'm talking about instability. Now, the reason I'm bringing this out, it was what Jesus said would happen. That didn't make any sense. It's, uh, it, it's out of this world, really. And then we go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And we have lived this. This is our lives, right? So Acts chapter 1 and verse 1, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion 
by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. So this promise is termed here a promise. So what Jesus was talking about before that we read in uh, John 16, it was a promise of the Father. So wait at Jerusalem for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptised with water, but ye shall be baptised with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. You know, I've, um, I mean, we've all read this passage a lot and I've always found it peculiar that in this moment, the last moment of Jesus on earth, yeah, okay, let's say the disciples asked Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Israel, Why document it in this such important <laughs> part of the Bible? It's leading up to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father, the comforter, the spirit that dwells within people. You know, the, the tabernacle of God is now with men. It's massive. And they put this little question in here as um, that they're, they're thinking in the natural, will you now restore the kingdom to Israel? You know, and, uh, and his response is, look, it's not for you to know. And now I get it because people want to change, <laughs> change governments, change kingdoms, uh, restore things how they think they should be right. And, um, uh, and Jesus says, look, don't worry about it. <laughs> it's not for you to know. It's not for you to worry about that. What I want you to worry about is receiving power, receiving this Holy Ghost. That's what matters. Forget about that. Don't get meddling it. It's not worth it. Focus. Uh, Jesus is saying, no, just stay here and focus. Stay in Jerusalem. You should be looking for the promise of the Father. Okay? And the promise of the Father was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But today... What's the wonderful and most important promise of the Father that we're looking for is the return of Jesus Christ. So it's not for us to worry about the times and seasons of the rise and fall of nations and people and kings and queens and monarchs and uh, governments and so forth. It's not for us to worry about that, but to focus on the real promise of the Father, which is the return of Jesus Christ. And we will go to Acts chapter 2, the uh, wonderful realisation of the promise of the Father. Back then, 2,000 years ago, likewise we look forward to this other great promise of the Father. Chapter 2 and verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. 
And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Just go to chapter, uh, verse 33. This is Peter speaking. Therefore, being by the right hand of God, exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. Wonderful evidence. Verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said unto them, repent and be baptised every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. This untoward generation. This generation that's pure in their own eyes and yet is covered in filthiness. Save yourselves from this untoward generation who's caught up with trying to change things, a source of instability. We want stability in our lives. So seek it, live it, um, and, and do it. Uh, according to how the Lord wants to provide stability. Penultimate scripture, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. I read a bit, about, a bit of this recently. Philippians 4 and verse 4. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation, which also means gentleness, be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Simple words, we know it well. Uh, but it's just so good to read it again, is it? And it just, I just realised when I was putting these scriptures together that verse 5, it says, let your moderation be uh, known unto all men, right? And I was thinking about that. I thought, oh, yeah, that's an important part of our testimony is our moderation or our gentleness being known to all men, uh, not, um, not getting uh, emotive and angry about particular things that are happening in politics or um, conspiracy theories and having passion for these things and uh, like showing yourself to know more because you can Google the right stuff. Look, I've had people tell me these things. It's just amazing. No, moderation, calmness, like, yes, I'm seeking the Lord. I'm living this life. It's all right. That's up. I've, I'm focusing on my walk. So it's actually our testimony is let your moderation be made known, be known to all men, that they may see that. And uh, not being anxious or careful for anything, but prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Good advice. And as a result of that, not worrying about those things, uh, there's a peace of God that passes all understanding. You know, and uh, uh, even though there might be uh, instability around us, tumultuousness around us, we have uh, embodied in us a moderation and a peace that passes all understanding. 
Last scripture, James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Just to finish up. James chapter 5 and verse 7. So James chapter 5 and verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Okay? God himself, he's the husbandman, the farmer, who's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth, which is us. He's super patient. Um, Even though he lives in all time, he's being patient. So as a result of his patience, let us be patient as well. Um, And in the meantime, establish our hearts and look forward to the coming of the Lord because it draws nigh. Okay, thank you.